not only is he running around outside of the pocket, but he's almost he's getting tackled and like parallel to the ground and like throws it up and it still goes thirty yards and then hits his receiver right in the face. And his receiver yeah. just <laughs> so I mean to to be fair to the receiver, I wouldn't be expecting a pass coming my way. <laughs> Absolutely not. Happening. And not that fast either. So because yeah. <laughs> that was like a rocket and then <laughs> Oh, that was man. like a Jedi throw, though. I remember that one. He's literally parallel to the field. Yeah, it was nuts. And a good height. And he just yeah, it was. It. I was like, there's no way. It was like the whole game looked like he was just going to get tackled any second, and then he'd do some crazy throw, and then... And it would bounce off his receiver and go right to the uh, the Buccaneers defense. Yeah. Defense. I mean, he's just like, what are you going to do? Oh, well. Maybe next year will be better. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe next year Brady will win in a different way. Maybe Brady will win on a different team. <laughs> yeah. He just goes kind of his MO now. to every team now. <laughs> just Brady and Gronk just traveling to different teams. <laughs> oh, man. That would be... Would you accept him on the Bills? Would you be like, okay, this season, Brady? Of course. <laughs> I think any... I'll take a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hmm. <laughs> I I would say that I wouldn't have to be a fan of his for too long because, you know, he's got to retire soon. But I'm not sure that's true anymore. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> he's going to play into his 50s, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. If he's still winning, why would he retire? Why would you stop? I don't know. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we are your source for drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. Yeah, basically we're just two regular dudes. We drink beer. We talk about magic with a focus on Magic the Gathering Arena and competitive play. Yes, and we have a great show for you guys today. Um, we have a new segment that's pretty exciting. It's called Top Tier or Out of Here. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, but first, before we get into that, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right, today I brought Cup and Saucer. It's an English ale out of Manitoulin Brewing. It's uh, 5%. The can's nice. It's kind of pink tones. Kind of looks like a scenic mountain hike, and there's a, a hiker at the top of the mountain. I actually picked this beer because uh, when I went to my local liquor store the other day, all I wanted was to pick up some just ale. I didn't want a double dry hopped, IPA. I didn't want a New England style hazy IPA. I didn't. I just wanted a, an ale, maybe just a pale ale, and I absolutely could not find anything <laughs> like that at all. Everything is, you know, some is fancy crazy. these days, especially at, at my liquor store because it's kind of small. So when I went to pick this up, I actually went to the larger one, and I saw, I just saw English pale ale. Close enough. Let's get that. <laughs> Snag it. Yeah. What'd you bring? I brought, I'm not sure if this is actually the name, but it definitely says it on the can, so I'm still going to say it, um, LDV, which is a coffee vanilla imperial stout from Sawdust Brewing Company. Uh, so it's an imperial stout, 9%, and the can is just black with some cool gold and purple lettering. Um, and it tastes, uh, yeah, that's that's what it tastes like. Like, uh, yeah, it's a punch. Love it. <laughs> uh, I decided to choose this one because, you know, I'm always interested in Imperial Stouts. And, you know, anytime I see one, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pick this up. I'm going to bring this in. <laughs> huh. 
That sounds oddly familiar. Mm -hmm. That sounds almost like something I would do. Huh, interesting. It's almost yeah. like you picked both the beers. <laughs> almost. Yeah, almost. <laughs> anyway, um, we do have a little bit of magic news, but it's mainly just people on Twitter talking about Tybalt's trickery and whether it should get banned or not. I fully um, think we should just make this a mini segment where we start every show with the Twitter MTG community drama. We should, yeah. If you like this, tell us, and then we'll just make it a segment because we always know what's going on. Um, anyway, you know, everyone's always looking at a card from a new set and yelling for bans. Um, however, this one doesn't seem too, you know, uh, consistent. So Yeah, I mean, the rule on Cascade and how they work with MDFCs is pretty stupid, I yeah. think. Uh, like, it makes sense to me that you can cast the backside of Tybalt off of Tybalt's Trickery, because all it says is cast whatever card you hit, mm -hmm. and you're allowed to cast either side of this card. Yeah. What doesn't make sense to me is Cascade. You can Cascade into Valky and then cast Tybalt for free. Yeah. Because Cascade specifically says it has to have a certain converted mana cost, so I don't think you should be allowed to choose the other gotcha. side. Gotcha. Yep. That does make sense. I, um... Yeah, I think they might just change... They, I mean, if they're going to do something, it feels like they'll just change the way that the MDFCs work when they're not... Uh... Yeah, that, that's what I'm kind of worried about. They, the, In order to keep the rules consistent, they might have to make some big sweeping change mm -hmm. that gets rid of cool stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't play the formats where this is a problem. Exactly. So, uh, I feel like my opinion doesn't really matter. Yeah, we don't really have subject. Cascade on Arena, so it doesn't matter as much to yeah. us. But it is something to be looking out for. Uh, might be a rules change for MDFCs. So watch right. out for that. Um, might get some splash damage. Yeah, with just random stuff will happen to us. So, um, But yeah, how did your Arena week go? Uh, it went well. It went well. I played in the uh, Star City Games events over the past weekend. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, so I played, uh, I think I've explained this before, but they basically they run these things called satellites on mm -hmm. Friday and Saturday. And if you do well enough in the satellite, you qualify for the big tournament on Sunday. Uh, so there's, I think, eight satellites. You can play in as many as you want. I played in number seven. Mm. And uh, I went five and one. So that was good enough to qualify for the Sunday event. I set two alarms, so I didn't <laughs> sleep through it this time. <laughs> but I did scrub out immediately, so oh. maybe I would have preferred to to sleep through it so that i could have an excuse for not doing it <laughs> <laughs> like what are you gonna do sleep through it again whoops guess i'll try next time yeah but the no. nice thing about the satellites too is if you go five and one or better you could also go six and oh that automatically qualifies you for this uh, uh every month there's the arena mythic championship qualifier thing mm -hmm. yep so i'm qualified for uh march oh just from getting to day two you don't even have to do well on day two to get there well for doing five and one because you also qualify for day two if you go four and two in Got the satellite. It. okay but if you go five and one or better then you actually also qualify for the march what the next month's uh monthly qualifier thing I mean, which that's... was my goal for the season to qualify for matches. <laughs> <laughs> so i did that well there you go <laughs> boom no reason to make top 1200 mythic now <laughs> Perfect. That is great. Um, yeah, my arena week was uh, was all right. I um, I was just kind of playing some standard, uh, trying to uh, get my handle on uh, or get a handle on it a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I did. I don't really know. Um, saw a lot of <laughs> I guess decks. we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> um, but I did build up some uh, some bullshit 
decks for bingo, which was pretty fun. And just um, playing yeah, the sub game that. of like, <laughs> you built something specifically only to do like one or two things and winning is not one of them. <laughs> so right. <laughs> you're just... Yeah, Zach sent me a message. He just, I just checked the Discord and all of a sudden there's like four screenshots of him doing these bingo things. I was like, holy crap, all in one night, man, you killed it. And he just says, thanks, I lost all of these games. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. basically the package is um, like most of the time counter spells and like wraths or something. Yeah, just to survive and tell. And then you just put your combo in and just like try to get there. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wasn't surprised you lost the ox plow one, but when you cast Ugin off the replicating rings, that board state you sent looked like you were going to win. No, I ended up losing that, yeah. It's because I had already hard-casted two Ugins before that without the rings. I see. Because <laughs> I just had to keep wiping the board, and that's all I had to wipe. Right. It was pretty bad. Um, and the ox plow thing, I was really close. I did my, like, turn two plow, turn three, you play the ox, and then you crew the plow, and you attack. And then they ended up not blocking because they didn't want to trade with it. And then I used the three mana to... Um, give it plus one plus one and double strike with Kaya's onslaught and that was oh nice that was what i wanted to do that was pretty sweet i was like okay i did it but it's still... like extending the combo yeah i i ended up still losing that game which is annoying but the rest of the deck was just I... a bunch of like power doublers and like double striking stuff <laughs> okay but explain this one to me how could you possibly lose when you foretell doom foretold how could I literally foretelling doom? Yeah. Foretold. <laughs> <laughs> um, it turns out when you're playing against like, you know, white weenie decks, they can play a bunch of little stupid things and they never have to sacrifice the one important creature. More on that later. Yeah. More on that later. <laughs> uh, but that's how that went. Um, oh, and I ended up actually doing the standard uh, metagame challenge and went four and three, which is pretty nice. Uh, much better oh, nice. than I thought. So, yeah. Um, Four, four and three. Four and one, sorry. I was like, it's just one, one, one loss. I mean, you to... tried it three times <laughs> and you amassed and four got... No, 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 sorry. <laughs> I went four and one, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just used to saying three is that that was the loss. Or right. Whatever. That's the, usually um, the, the exit. What it is. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I went four and one, which was uh, good. I liked that. I felt better. Than I, I went in not having really high hopes and then ended up being like, wow, this is actually pretty great. I'm surprised. Uh, yeah. yeah, I actually played it one time uh, last night because I didn't realize it was a thing. And then on Monday night, I was just like, oh, I can still play in this? Well, I'll give it a shot. And I went three and one, so oh. beat me. Hey, yeah. I, I played, uh, I played a, a Snogs. I just tried to splash snow stuff into the rogues deck. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Because you know it's... Uh, I'll talk more about it later when we talk about rogues, but uh, it wasn't that good, so... <laughs> um, but yeah, we are going to talk a little bit about Kaldheim Limited, but I think we might just like jump straight into our main topic because um, we can always talk about that later. I haven't been playing a bunch yeah, of it anymore. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, I don't know really what to tell you on Kaldheim Limited. I'm, yeah. I'm certainly no expert. It's them. super complicated, and uh, I'll probably draft a lot more, actually, because um, I still feel like I haven't really grasped it yet so yeah i'm just loving standard right now so i've barely played any limited actually. yeah uh same actually it's been good so anyway here into our new segment title love this jeff came up with this one it's great um 
So we it's, workshopped it. Yeah, yeah, but there's a few iterations. Well, it was your idea, and, and you came up with the the final name, so that's why I gave you the credit. You don't have to. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, but it is called. I just want to look humble or sound humble. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so it is top tier or out of here. Basically, we're explaining. Um, we're talking about the new decks that we're seeing from the uh, standard kind of mix up now that we have a new set, and whether we think that deck is going to be top tier or if it's going to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. See, it's pretty simple. You know, like the title right. kind of says everything. It explains itself, yeah. Yeah, I should have like, probably said that. Is, is it, and out of here doesn't mean no one will play it, but it's kind of fringe. Like, yeah, it, it just won't show up as much or, you know. Because people will always just play a deck they love, even if it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I know this because every tournament I run into the person who loves whatever bad deck is really good against whatever I brought. (laughs) (laughs) And I always just run into them. I'm like, oh, nobody plays this deck. I can see from the metagame count that you're the only one who brought it. (laughs) And I'm just so unlucky. I can never beat it. I always, always buy that. Uh, It's like when Jund Food was in standard, but nobody played it anymore. And I brought this blue-black control deck that beats the blue-white control deck that everyone was playing, mm-hmm. but it had no chance against Jund Food, and I run into this guy. This was back when, in paper, and he sits across from me, and he plays the oven on turn one. I was like, oh, no. He's like, yeah, I know this deck's not good anymore, but this is the deck I had, you know, from a few seasons ago, and so I just figured, what the hell, I'll bring it out and see how it does. It's like, oh, man, <laughs> you, you're going to have a really easy time in this match. Okay. <laughs> Oh. That deck was just way, like, way too grindy. Because my deck was all one-for-one removal. How am I supposed to beat something that sacrifices all its permanence for value at instant speed? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's rough, rough, rough. Yeah, and I ran into Teamer Ultimatum with my Rakdos deck this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and it was literally, literally a 75 from last season. There were no new cards. It really? was just like... Yeah. Well, when we get to that, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but first, uh, up front, we don't we we are kind of predicting the meta game going forward, but it's really hard. Um, yeah, like predicting meta games is yeah, you're pe- never gonna get it exactly totally right. People get this wrong all the time. Pros get this wrong. They know a lot more than we do. Um, we're just and having fun. It's just fun. constantly changing. So. Yeah. So as of right now, this is what we think. Yeah. It could change tomorrow. And, and, yeah. It could change before the podcast comes out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you lose the tournament that you play in, don't blame us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Jeff, would you like to start us off with the first deck we're going to look All right, at? So the, the first deck's a, a newcomer. I wanted to start with the, a newcomer. We are going to throw in some of the decks from last season, see if we still think they'll continue to be good. Mm-hmm. But it feels like we have to start with Rakdos. So this is being termed Rakdos Midrange, but it kind of comes in two variants. There's the Sacrifice variant, which plays cards like um, Claim the Firstborn uh, and Village Rights. So the idea is you're stealing your opponent's creatures and then sacrificing them uh, for value Mm -hmm. of your own. And then there's another build that doesn't play any of the... Like it maybe plays Threaten Effects, but they're in the sideboard. And it doesn't really play a ton of ways to sacrifice its own creatures. It just kind of plays good red and black cards. So those are the kind of the two builds going on. And they seem pretty evenly split. Like every time I look, oh, Rakdos midrange, what is it? It's, it feels like it's the sack build half the time and just the value cards the other half of the time. Yeah. Um, I, I personally played the sack build. 
So I played Rakdos midrange with a uh, sacrifice theme in the Star City Games event, mm-hmm. and it felt great. Uh, I felt like I was favored in all the big matchups that you know from from previous seasons. Like yeah. I felt good against Rogues. I felt good against uh, Gruul. I felt really good against this Is It deck that a lot of people brought. <laughs> um, and then I saw the numbers reflect that. So we have like a chart of the data that came out of this past week. Yeah, so Rakdos ended up doing very well. Um, almost the best. <laughs> um, I, w- I, mean, I would say it did the best because it has... Okay, so it has 0.1% lower win rate than Sultanate. I know, I'm just... <laughs> but it has three times as many decks. Exactly, overall. yeah. So it's harder to get that win rate. But basically, yeah. So it basically did the best with uh, 56.3%. Um, yeah, and it, it, I think you're right. Like, uh, the matchups it does badly with are, like, you know, big rampy decks. Um, like you were saying, mm-hmm. Teamer Ultimatum and, and uh, Sultai. Um, but everything else, all the stuff, you know, hey, if you hate rogues, which, you know, a lot of people hate rogues, <laughs> this deck, like, rips it up. It did yeah, so well. It so, did like 76.7% against rogues, which is a lot. Um, so, hey, yeah, if, so I, if you're a player that hates rogues, you know, try this out. Yeah, so I played a lot of rogues last season. And the Rakdos deck was kind of around. Mm-hmm. And people would always say, oh, the only reason to play it is it's good against rogues. And I didn't even think that was true because I could beat it pretty easily with, with rogues last season. The big difference is that now they have Valky, and I think that means Rakdos, that gives Rakdos so much um, advantage against rogues, because mm-hmm. it used to be that, okay, I can I can navigate as a rogues player so that they have to bring back Kroxa, and then I just steal it, because there's the, um, the, the card that steals creatures. Yes. Uh, Lil Mage's Domination. Right. But when I was playing Rakdos this weekend, I played against a, a rogues mirror, and I basically forced them into a spot where they had to tap out mm-hmm. the rogues player. And then I was sure, I was 100% sure that their plan was, okay, I'm going to tap out, he's going to bring back Kroxa, and I'm going to steal it. Yeah. And so I just played Tybalt onto an empty board with my opponent tapped out, and they just conceded. Yeah. Because they just, they, they have nothing that beats that. Exactly. So. So it was just like, ah, this is this is a big difference between before. Because before it was always kind of risky to play a Kroxa because if they steal it, then it's like, well, I could steal it back, I guess, or I could kill my own Kroxa. Or sack it's, it or something. But um, Yeah, I always found as rogues you could kind of tempo them out. Make them tap out for Kroxa every turn. You're just discarding a card. You have so much card advantage that it's okay. Exactly. Um, but now with, like, Valky, they get to see your hand if they want, and then they get Tybalt later. It's It's rough. Yeah. And that shows in the numbers, right? The 76%. Exactly. I think this deck is awesome. It loses to big mana decks. It's the classic mid-range versus big mana. That's just... I don't think there's any way to fix that either. Like You're just going to lose to the big mana decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this this might be the current kind of deck to beat. Yeah. So, there you go. I, I definitely agree that it's, it's the deck to beat. Uh, especially looking at these numbers. And these are the kind of things that people will look at as we are right now and be like, hey, start playing this deck or get ready to play against this deck or all those kinds of things. And you were kind of, you were saying earlier that you were frustrated that um, because you didn't do super well on day two, because now if you bring this deck to a tournament, people will be expecting it and they're going to have all this new tech against it. 
Yeah, right. I was frustrated when I scrubbed out of the event because I was like, I felt like I had the right read on the metagame and picked a good deck to do well in the event. So it always sucks when you don't convert that because a lot there's going to be times when you guess wrong and you bring a shit deck. So, <laughs> you know, you're, you're just kind of screwed. Yeah. So when you have the good deck, you hope that, uh, you have hope that the, you're able to make it happen. But. You draw your lands, right? Yeah, that was that was my big mistake. I should have put like three more lands in my deck. That's what I'll do next time. Just play thirty-two lands. So that... <laughs> uh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to say is it's kind of funny what happened if you look at the Star City games. Like I said, they have eight satellites, right? So there's four on Friday and four on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I think there was very few Rakdos decks in the first one, but one of them did really well. And then in the next one, there's a few more. And, like, literally as the satellites go on, the number of Rakdos mid-range decks is just, incre- like, blowing up in each event. Like, there's there's a bunch more in every subsequent event. And then in the... To the point where in the, like, Sunday big tournament, it's the most popular deck. It was just, like, <laughs> slowly building up over the weekend until the Sunday culmination when it's the most popular. So is this the kind of information where people see the 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 first satellite finish and then choose their deck based on that. So the second one will have started before the first one's right. over, but the third one would, wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So there's overlap. So people in the third one have data. They have like one and a half tournaments of data. Yeah. So um, does that make you want to play other, later or, or would you rather play earlier? So you have the advantage of depends if you're on the right. Yeah. Track. I would have wanted to play the first one probably, but I still <laughs> did well. So it doesn't yeah. well enough. So it doesn't matter. But um, the other funny thing that happened is rogues steadily plummeted. And then in the Sunday event, the, the Sultai ultimatum numbers like more than tripled from the total of everyone who played it in the satellite. Oh, really? Because everyone saw that everyone's playing Rakdos and Sultai ultimatum just stomps Rakdos. So <laughs> that became the second most popular deck. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just like within one weekend, everyone kind of realized Rakdos was awesome and either decided to just play it or to try to fight it. Yeah. And the tournament was won by Sultai Ultimatum. So there you go. Uh, take that. Take that uh, information. Yeah, so, Whoa. I don't know. I, I got to slap top tier on this one. What do you think? I think, uh, yeah, I will say top tier as well. I think that Rakdos uh, is going to be around for a while and has been helped a lot with uh, a better mana base. And um, right. other, some other and pieces. some huge cards like Throne of Death is so good. It's just really good in that deck. Yeah, it's a turn one engine that basically draws you cards for free because anytime it mills an escape creature, you get just oh, cards, of course, essentially. yeah. And it also can physically like you can force it to draw you a card if it's not behaving by, <laughs> by tapping three. You know? <laughs> oh, well, fantastic. Yep. So our first top tier deck. Uh, moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit about Is it? You were uh, mentioning <laughs> a little bit yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, so I, I played against this a reasonable amount in the satellite. Um, by I, I mentioned I was satellite number seven, so by right. this point, fewer people were playing this deck, mm-hmm. and more people were on Rakdos. This is, as I understand it, this is a deck that Luis Scott Vargas put together. Okay. And he played it on his stream during the, like, pre-release event for streamers. And he was just crushing people with it. And so it just kind of spread like wildfire, and suddenly everyone's talking about it. If you haven't seen or heard of this deck, it's just blue-red, and the whole plan is to play Goldspan Dragon, 
and protect it with counter spells for the rest of the game and win. Like that's basically yeah. plan A. Plan B is like brazen borrowers and, and stuff, you know, and, and shark tokens. But really, you want goldspan dragon as your finisher, and you just want to protect it with token with uh, counter spells. Uh, because it's really hard to kill a goldspan dragon through a counter spell because if you target it, it makes two mana. So they you target it to kill it, that makes the two mana for the counter spell. It's so awesome. It makes it so that yeah. if you have one in your hand, you play it on turn five because you will have the mon- the mana for the counter spell just by attacking. Even if the counter spell costs three, you attack with it, you get one treasure. They target it, you get another treasure. That's four. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean this card is crazy. It's I put Soul Shatter in my deck because of it, which is three mana instant. Target player sacrifices a creature at the greatest converted mana cost they control, so they don't even get anything. So if they tap out for it, you hit them with that. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, Soul Shatter is not a great card, so it's like I have to play this because I have to respect Goldspan Dragon. Oh, and I, also I want to say that I was playing three Goldspans in my Rakdos list <laughs> myself. Not everyone plays it. I, I just think it's too good not to play. I think it's really good. Uh, but I don't think this deck is good. <laughs> uh, I think part of its early success is because people just didn't know how to play it basically play against it sorry Mm -hmm. basically like i lost a game really early on to it because i i used valky i looked at my opponent's hand i knew they had i had to take bone crusher giant otherwise they just stopped my valky so it's like uh, i can't take their gold span dragon but they had nothing to protect it and i had uh, two removal spells so i was like okay i'll let them in two turns they're gonna play their gold span dragon but unless they literally top deck counterspell, counterspell, then I'm just going to get rid of it and we'll be fine. And they did that and I lost the game. And so I was like, well, that was super unlucky. But I was thinking about it later. I was like, well, their deck is all counterspells. I should have just basically, because I tapped out for something on my turn, let them play the gold span knowing I could kill it. I should have just held my soul shatter and not let them get any mana from their gold span at yeah. all. So you have to just realize that that's how they win, even though it's unlikely they draw a counterspell, counterspell. Why even give them the possibility to, to do that? And once I started playing like that, like just never let them gold span under any circumstance, basically, even if it makes your turns really awkward, I started just, just smashing this deck. Because it's very one-dimensional. It's just gold span, so... Yeah, it is. I mean... Um... I actually, this is the deck I, I played to go four and one. Um, I, oh, was, nice. pl- I was playing it a bit um, just because I wanted to see what the hubbub was about. Um, and I like it. I mean, it's, it's hard not to like when you're playing Goldspan Dragon, which is a sweet card. You get to play four Bone Crusher and four Brazen Borrow and four Shark Typhoon. Like, it's like, okay, this is a pretty sweet. <laughs> These are all cards I like. So it's hard not to be yeah. like, well, I'll play the cards I like. And then there's some other counterspells like and stuff. It's, uh, so that's kind of nice. Also, Faceless Haven is an awesome card yeah faceless haven is nuts i see people playing a grixis version of this where mm-hmm. they they play black for like uh the removal spells mm-hmm. and i think that's a mistake this deck needs to be snow for faceless haven yeah because that's a lot of its game i think because sometimes it just draws nothing it just draws a mid full of like do nothing cards exactly uh and four mana draw spells and stuff and, and doesn't hit its gold spans and you need some way to be proactive in that time. 
So I don't think you should be playing because basically the first event someone went six zero with this deck. That's they played black as well for like heartless act and mm. stuff. Uh, and so everyone started copying that. And I think I think if you're gonna play this, you need to be playing snow, faceless haven. Yeah, I I, I agree as well. I I do like faith faceless haven quite a bit. Um, originally I was like ah oh, it doesn't seem that great, but um, it's good. It's pretty good. Yeah, but I think the reason this deck is popular is because, A, what uh, what you said, that it just has a lot of cards people like. Mm -hmm. uh, and B, uh, just because Luis Scott Vargas was was totally. push, pushing it. I think, now, may, maybe it's so good that, like, like in Luis's hand, he's going to win a lot with it. Mm -hmm. But you could say that about almost anything, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to play a deck because Paolo won with it. Uh, you know, because I know I'm not going to recreate what he does. Yeah. Well, if you don't, under, if you look at the deck and you're like, well, he played it, so I should play it. And like, I'm not exactly sure how he did that, and I would make some changes, but uh, I'll, I'll play right. this. Um, but I, I do see what you're saying. Um, I I do see some of its shortcomings, and there are times where I'm, I I'm just like, man, I really am getting just torn apart by some other decks, or you know. Uh, any anything that has like tons of creatures or um, different kinds of things that I, I take too long to get everything going and um, brazen borrower becomes horrible because bouncing stuff is just like not good when they're just yeah. like one ones or two ones. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I I I think something will come out of this. I think there will be a better version built. Um, I think this might be the time to be like, all right, let's go back and fix some stuff and change some things around. Um, but I think we will still see it, but I I think I'm agreeing with you. It's probably out of here. Um, yeah. I went with out of here. <laughs> just straight I, up. Yeah. It won't exist in its current form. It needs to evolve because yes. I think people have figured out how to play against it. I've only played against it, and I realized the only times I lost to it were mistakes on my part. Mm -hmm. And once I started to correct those, this deck almost became free wins. And if you look at its win rate against, uh, what, Rakdos was, I was playing? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it has a brutal, like, Rakdos is 68% against it. Yep. And it had a... So that, line, that lines up with how I felt. Uh, and I, the other deck I play is Rogues, and... Rogues also smashes this deck. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so is it tempo is what they were calling it. I got a 47.9% uh, for the uh, February 1st to the 7th. Uh, so right. I think the shocking part is that it lost to Team or Ultimatum. Because you'd think cheap counter spells should beat 7 drop and 8 drops. <laughs> Sorcery speed 7 and 8 drops. I would I would take the counter spell deck in that matchup. Yeah. They got crushed by Team or Ultimatum. Hey, maybe maybe Timur Ultimatum is uh, pretty pretty good. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, spoiler. No, it's spoiler. Not. We're gonna talk about it later. Uh, but let's keep it let's keep it moving. Let's go to um, uh, an oldie but a goodie, in my opinion. Yeah, my favorite. I and I think it's like I don't know if I would have ever played this deck if it weren't for this podcast. Yeah, that's the funny part. But now I'm like a diehard rogues player. Like I always want to go back to rogues. So we're talking to mere rogues. Um, yeah. this is a very, like, so this is, this is the moment. Okay. Uh, people have been so frustrated about this deck for three months. It feels longer than that, but it's, it's been like three months. Um, yeah. Cause that's when it wasn't, you know, brought to light. And, uh, are, it, 
basically we're trying to see if it's going to go away. Now we have call time cards. Are there other decks that are going to impede on the rogues? Um, what's going to happen? I'm not super sure that that's, you know, if it's really going to go anywhere. It's, um, there are still people, you know, playing this deck. I think in the metagame we need this deck as well. Um, it, it, it kind of becomes the thing where if you start sleeping on rogues, it's going to come back in full force because if you start taking out some of your sidebar, sideboard cards against it, um, people are going to go back like, oh, you're, you know, you're going to make room for something else on your sideboard. If I play rogues again, I can just, you know, tear through you. So you always have to respect the rogues, in my opinion, um, and keep your sideboards with rogues in mind. They'll pop up. The pieces that even, you know, playing against Rakdos, some, some of those um, cards that get uh, discarded into the yard will be helpful yeah. later. So. so I actually played uh, earlier today, and it was clear that people weren't respecting it. Mm -hmm. because I know this because I had milled out an entire deck of a Gruul player post-board. They had zero escape creatures. <laughs> so um. it's like, where are the Ox of Agonis? Where are the Phoenix? You're not respecting rogues, so you deserved this loss. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would have lost if you had any of the pieces you're supposed to have, but you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, they had weird, like, their deck, it looked like they sideboarded nothing. They had that spider, Arana of the Endless Web, whenever someone cast Yeah, it. I also I saw that card. What is going on with that? Because I, I played against two different Gruul players who clearly had the same list where they sideboarded in this spider. I don't know I'm where... Like, That's not good against me. Don't side that in. <laughs> How big is that creature? Is it a... I don't know. It's like a 2-4 reach or something, but it's just a 4-mana creature that I'll just counter or... I think it's... like. Does it have 5 toughness? I almost feel like it has 5 toughness. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean... For Goldspan is my idea. Are they playing it to block Goldspan Dragon? They're playing it for the Is It Tempo deck? Yeah, maybe. That would make more sense. And they're just like, maybe it's good against rogues? Yeah. And they, uh, it's not good against rogues. Because you can just block all day, I guess? Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem... Uh, I don't know. But if you're playing green, why not just play Run Afoul? Right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know why you... I don't know. <laughs> I also saw that and was confused. So this... I was like, why? I Okay. And it didn't bother me at all. I just kept plowing through them. So, um, yeah. I was even playing the the... The deck. I guess I played another gold span and just went around it, but um yeah, this is the thing, it doesn't block gold span like it, it doesn't die, but it doesn't block it profitably profitably. It's not like it's a four five. Yeah, exactly. So I still get to attack and get my treasure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like So I uh, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, so yeah, you're right. If people stop respecting rogues, it always comes back. Uh, I think you can't just take your deck from last season and expect it to do well yeah. with rogues. Um, because of the Rakdos menace we mentioned earlier, Rakdos so far has a pretty good matchup against rogues. I have some ideas for how I would fix that matchup. Uh, I've tried a couple of things. The, I mean, the the two-mana Graftigger's Cage from Kaldheim mm -hmm. really just, just destroyed them. I played it, and they could do nothing for the rest of the game, and I just casually won. So it's like, oh, looks like you can't beat a Graph Digger's Cage with those nine escape creatures in your graveyard. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to continue to mill you. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, so there, there are options to make that matchup better. Mm -hmm. um, and I have some ideas. I, I'm currently going to switch to the, um, the big version 
I've been standing by the Luris version forever. Oh my gosh. Switch to the Brazen Borrow. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, because Zerasan, I think, is really good against Rakdos. Um, Ooh, okay, I can see that. Because they mill themselves, mm -hmm. and they mill, like, uh, a Crone War, which is good against them. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of my plan, and then I'm splashing red to play Valky myself, because Valky is really good against Rakdos as well. Because if you Valky a Kroxa and they don't have a removal spell, you're just attacking with a Kroxa on turn three. So Ooh, it's... that sounds... Yeah, yeah I know because great. it happened to me in the Rakdos mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh i i kept the hand and i was like if they have valky plus another creature so that my soul shatter doesn't get their valky i'm gonna lose mm -hmm. and that's exactly what they did they just, <laughs> they just got a turn two croxa that doesn't go to the graveyard basically and took my croxa away yeah. so it was pretty backbreaking. so and i'm just getting free red off of some pathways in case the Tybalt thing ever comes up, but I'm really just playing Valky. Mm -hmm. uh, so I played one match with the deck. I smashed Gruul, and then that was it. So I don't know if this deck is the right way to build rogues yet or not, but uh, it makes sense to me that this would counteract a little bit of the equity in the uh, Rakdos yeah. rogues matchup. Interesting. Because I think rogues smashes is it, it really beats the crap out of these slow Sultai decks that we've yeah. been seeing. So that's my incentive to play it. The only problem is if everyone's on Rakdos and that matchup is unfixable, then Rogues isn't going to be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm hoping these Sultai players like punch the Rogues, the the Rakdos players out because they kind of did that to me. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> to balance things <laughs> out, Rogues bit. can come in and shine. But no, I do think um, I'm going to say uh, Rogues is top tier. Yeah. Yeah, I'm giving this one a top tier. It just needs. You know, once there's a league weekend and, like, Paulo gets to figure out how to make it better, then uh, <laughs> everyone can copy his list. And yeah, and, and the main again. thing is that I don't I don't think Rogues needs as, needs as much work as the Is It deck does. Rogues is already pretty strong, and, and um, there's some little tweaks that need to happen. I think the Is It one needs a little bit of an overhaul. Um, so that's why having different versions of the deck is totally fine. Um, oh, yeah, that's the other... The last thing I wanted to say about Rogues is the other big change it needs is it needs to start respecting aggro because there was no aggro deck in the previous format. Mm -hmm. Rule Adventures was the closest thing. So, like, I wasn't even playing any sweepers in my sideboard at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but now with... Potentially, there are going to be real aggro decks yes. in this format. And so I'm pretty stoked about that, You actually. don't really just want to get run over by that. So you need to play the, the kind of crappy, uh, you know... Uh, what's the one mana that kills something of CMC two or less? Oh yes, uh, uh, Blood Chief's Thirst. Yeah, I had cut that card from my lists before because, like, yeah, it's it's quote unquote flexible, but the four mana version is so bad. Mm -hmm. So I just like I never played it. I never liked it. Uh, but you might have to bring that card back. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. Uh, but anyway, Rogues is getting a top tier. Uh, yeah. yeah. Before we move on to the next deck, I actually think that I need another beer. Yeah, let's let's take a beer let's break. Let's take a beer break. All right, Jeff, what are you drinking now? Now I've got this LDV Coffee Vanilla Imperial Stout. Imperial I'm excited Stout. for this one. All right. When uh, when I picked, I mean, when I mean when you picked this one, <laughs> I was very excited because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I love the, a good Imperial. Once again, Stout. the joke is that. Um, because, you know, I picked both the ones for last week, uh, I told Jeff to pick both the ones for this week, 
Um, he ended up picking five, and I found two that I could actually get my hands on. Uh, yeah. And then from that, I it's decided... I picked five then, because these were the ones that it looked like you were going to be able to get were the last two that I picked up as ones that I felt like would be easier to get. Well, that's good. Hey, that's really important. Because now I'm drinking this cup and saucer, this English ale. Man, this can's really gorgeous. I like that. Makes me want to go in a It is nice, right? Yeah, it's just like they're like looking over a cliff at some uh, trees. That's nice. It totally worked on me. That's I. That's the reason that it drew my eye. And then when I saw it was, oh, just a just an ale. It's an English you know? ale. Man, I, I, I haven't been hiking in a really long time, and I kind of want to want to go do that again so um i mean (laughs) it's hard without a car in toronto it's really hard without a car uh also there's snow right now which i mean isn't that terrible but um it'd be nicer get some snowshoes that would be sweet i like snowshoeing is great um i just need a car man if i got a car we'd be in business (laughs) let's uh hey let's start a gofundme whoever wants to buy me a car yeah uh, uh, to drive us to our uh, magic tournaments. Our, uh, yes. Actually, really what it is is to drive us to breweries to pick up beer. That's what it is. Oh, that's, there we go. That's really what we, we need. We, we need it for other things. <laughs> uh, anyway, side tangents <laughs> out of the way. Um, let's jump back into our um, top tier or out of here segment. Going back to this is Gruel slash Naya Adventures. So it's really just the Adventures deck. Yeah, it's the Gruel Adventures base, yes. uh, and some people are putting white into it to splash, well, a variety of cards, but the main reason to do it is Showdown of the Scalds. Yes. So, um, let's just, let me just check our win rate matrix. So it actually did break them up. So it has Naya Adventures and Gruel Aggro, which is Gruel Adventures, mm-hmm. as two different decks. For the most part... Uh, Gruel seemed to do slightly better. But what's interesting to me is uh, they succeeded in different matchups. Like, it seems like Naya Adventures gave up a lot of equity against Rogues from this splash. Yeah. Um... But pick, picked up some equity against Rakdos and Izzet. Uh, it also seems like Naya kind of dunked on Gruel. It does. I guess that makes sense because you have a lot of the same cards, but Showdown is kind of a mirror breaker. Yeah. And then Gruul did better against the everything else, basically. Interesting. Yeah, so basically they kind of are mirrors of each other. You would think that pushing them together would make them <laughs> kind of even out a little yeah. bit. But no, it seems like what Gruul was bad against, Naya was good against, and vice versa. Um, right. Yeah, very. And, and with the caveat that Naya was good in the against Gruul. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <coughs> Weird. My... My uh, inclination, based on playing against these decks and having played Gruul last season a little bit, mm-hmm. is that I would stick with Gruul myself. Uh, I think that Gruul wasn't really hurting for card advantage, which is what Showdown of the Scalds provides. Mm-hmm. That's not what it needed. It had the Great Henge. It has Edgewell Innkeeper. One th- and the other thing about Gruul is that its mana was always a little bit sus. Like, it has double red, and it has double green, and it has a lot of tap lands, um, you know, in the early game and stuff. And sometimes you just had to, like, play a pathway a certain way and hope you drew yeah. right. Hope you guessed right on the way you were drawing. 
So adding in more pathways to splash the white seems a bit sketchy to me. Like you're you're accentuating basically the deck's one weakness, in my opinion, which is its was its mana. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I don't know how much you're actually adding because you already have a lot of sources of card advantage. You had Vivian, you had uh, you had the Great Hand, the Innkeepers, you had the Edgewell Innkeepers. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, I don't think that, especially because, so I do like showdown of the scalds. I think that's a really good card and it makes sense that you would want to put it into this package. Um, but what you're saying is, is right. I, you know, it's nice to get all those cards and, you know, some counters to make your stuff bigger is helpful. But if you're playing, I don't know, shepherd of the flock and these other cards, like it just, they seem so bad. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, Giant Killer, sure, but Sh- Giant Killer—that's that, one thing I'm sure of. Shepherd of the Flock is bad. Shepherd of the Flock is bad, and Giant Killer <clears throat> is just sad because it's a one-two. If it was a one-one, it'd be a lot different. But because it's a one-two, it doesn't help out your uh, Lovestruck Beast. So it really, yeah, <laughs> really pushes yeah, that down. Kind of funny. Yeah, quite a bit in my opinion. So it's just like card would be better if it had one lone left toughness yeah (laughs) if it was a one one it would actually make the deck significantly better i think um but still not maybe enough that i would totally play it i i think i do think rural adventures is still better um and the other consideration though is that uh one thing that didn't show up really at all this weekend is esper doom foretold and that was a deck that just dunked on gruel Mm -hmm. That was like Gruul's arch enemy, the only thing it did not want to face, really. And I think Showdown of the Scalds does help against them. So maybe if if uh, that deck reemerges and starts to become popular, then you might consider splashing white back into your Gruul. But I'd say for now, let's go with Gruul and stop with uh, the greedy white splash that kind of, it's a very powerful card that you're adding, but it doesn't give the deck any dimensions that it was lacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that was my feeling, but looking at the numbers, it, it, I might just be wrong because it seemed to invert every matchup. Yeah. I, uh, add, adding this card. But. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it, it, it is hard. Um, I, I kind of think it's an outlier, the Rakdos midrange versus Naya Adventures, that Naya is favored because I had a really easy time beating that deck. So based on my sort of anecdotal evidence Mm -hmm. that feels like just a small numbers thing yeah um yeah i don't know i feel like you could possibly (laughs) i don't know i don't it it would be an interesting thing so seeing that um naya did so well against uh gruel aggro um just in their kind of like match against each other it would be fun to play a gruel aggro deck with splashing a Naya version in your sideboard, um, depending on your matchup. Um, Because you can keep the mana base the same if you just have all the pathways. Um, No, that's what I'm saying. It's not the same, though. Like, you can't fetch for a Needle Verge pathway. That's true. I guess maybe, you know, put a couple planes in your sideboard. But... Oh, I hate that even more. It would be interesting. Uh... (laughs) Literally, so many double greens. <laughs> You're gonna draw planes and 
So what you do and, is you Ember Cleave and the Great Hand. You side out all your good cards to get some mediocre white cards in. Of course. Uh, so that you can uh, fulfill the statistics. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So I think going forward, I'm giving Gruul top tier. Yeah. Naya out of here. And what I mean by that is Gruul will be a mainstay of the format. Uh, and Naya will be something that shows up when the metagame kind of demands it. Mm -hmm. Like some people will splash white. Kind of like the, the Sultai four-color mid-range thing that happens in Historic, yeah. where Sultai is the deck, but sometimes people splash white if they're expecting a lot of sacrifice. Yes. Yep, I, I agree with that. I think that's, I, I think that's right. Um, yeah, so kind of, you know, the, these two decks that were huge in the, the last bit, the Demir Rogues and the Gro Agro, I think they're, they're here to stay for now. Um, and I don't think they're going to go anywhere. So. They're just too, like, raw... Too rawly powerful, I think, yeah. to dismiss them. So, especially Gruel. Like Gruel's still the best deck if it's on the play, and it just turn four Great Henges you. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about that. You know? Yeah, exactly. So moving on, uh, we're looking at Sultai Control now. Yeah. So what is this deck? Uh, yeah. So this deck, it seems. Uh, it's really that Demir control deck that we were seeing a lot of uh, before. Kind of mm -hmm. with, like, um, I believe the Yorion build. Uh, but yeah. now we have Binding the Old Gods, uh, which is... Right, so you bring in green to play Binding the Old yeah. Gods. Um, probably some other stuff, you know. I, I, I played against it a couple of times. I don't remember exactly what they had on their sideboard, wilts and stuff like that. Because mm -hmm. blue-black is weak against artifacts and enchantments, so it also gives you that angle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Binding the Old Gods is good with the Yorion you're already playing, I think is the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, if you've ever played against that blue-black Demir control deck, they've kind of cut the Ashiox and the the Locks, the Loch Ness monster, I forget what, uh, what Loch Mere Serpent. actually called. Loch Mere Serpent, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Loch Ness in, in favor In favor of having this Binding the Old Gods, and some of them play the the cosmos serpent mm -hmm. coma coma as a win condition instead so it's kind of a considerably more powerful win condition I yeah say. i think I, I definitely agree with that um but it's sorcery speed right the the lock serpent has flash mm -hmm. so it plays. that is true so the deck basically tones down its instant speed game plan to tap out for stuff like binding the old gods and coma mm -hmm. um, whereas the the blue black deck really was just trying to counter everything you do and then flash in a Lochmere Serpent uh, or an Ugin, or just Ugin you away or something. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I actually never thought that Demir deck was very good. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I Like, some great players played it in the uh, in the MPL, uh, sorry, in the Zendikar Rising Championship. Well, the Championship, yeah. Yeah, um... So, I mean, there must be something there. But every time I played against it, I just felt like, man, this deck is so, so anemic. Like, mm -hmm. it just plays so many bad cards. <laughs> yeah. It plays a lot of good cards, but it also plays a lot of bad cards. So I guess the, that is the idea here, is adding green ups the overall card quality. But I don't know, like, you're adding a four mana sorcery speed removal spell that, uh... To a, to a metagame when, that's sh turning out to be a faster metagame mm -hmm. than the previous one. 
You know what I mean? So you're taking the slow deck from the previous format, slowing it down by making it no longer interact at instant speed, and then the metagame is moving in a direction that makes it go faster. Mm -hmm. That's what I don't What is interesting, really like, like this deck. I, so I like Binding the Old Gods. I think it's pretty great, but it is interesting, like, the Esper version just seems a bit stronger because mm -hmm. you can play the Skyclave Apparition and then Elspeth Conquers Death. Um, obviously doesn't hit everything, but bringing back a threat from the graveyard is so huge. Um, and that, you know, Binding the Old Gods does one great thing and two, uh, well, you know. Oh, it does, it does one great thing, one good thing, and one meaningless thing. Meaningless thing, most right? of the time. Like, the death touch is not used by this deck. Exactly. Really. Um, now, if they were splashing yeah, guess, for Finn the Fang Bearer. Is this better than Esper? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is this but that is the thing. Like, is this better than Esper? Why aren't they not playing Esper? Um Esper, So how did this deck do against Gruel? Let's it did really bad. That. It was thirty nine percent. Thirty nine percent against Gruel. Yeah. And eighteen point eight against Soul Soltile Ultimatum. So like what if you're playing And it lost loses to Rakdos. It just and seems... it somehow loses to is it? So it beats Demir Rogues and it beats Nye Adventures. And is fifty percent against Boros Aggro. That's kind of interesting. Um, just like flat, <laughs> but just clean even. <laughs> clean know? even on that. That, that tells me small. That tells me it's small sample size. Yes. You know, there's like ten games and it won five. Um, Whenever you see a number that, that, clean, that clean, that's just what, exactly. what it makes but me there's think. No decimals, but yeah. it, it really just makes me think. Like I don't know why you're not playing Esper. I. It, uh, well, I mean, obviously you don't have coma or anything but you could still play the serpent uh the lockmere serpent in esper i guess it depends what you're trying to beat but if it doesn't beat gruel i don't think you can play it yeah as a control deck um also interesting to mention beat gruel or rakdos which i think are basically going to be two of the most popular decks going forward yeah but i do think it's interesting to mention that everyone was all up in arms about doomscar talking about it all over the place. We even said it was yeah. like, like, you know, I think it's definitely worth a slot. <laughs> Where is Doomscar? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where is it? Nobody wants to Nobody wants to play white except in aggro decks, and you don't really want Doomscar. You don't want Doomscar in aggro decks, but it just seems yeah. really interesting. It's like, okay, I mean, I guess Doomscar with Skyclave Apparition isn't fantastic, because then you're wiping your board by giving them creatures back. Um, but... I don't know. It seems it's just it's just yeah, it's so just surprising from what we had seen. We were expecting a lot of uh, Doomscar stuff, I guess. Um, I still think it's worth playing. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, that's why I'm thinking Esper. You know, uh, you have some pieces that you just don't have in this deck. Um, I would like to see what it would what it would do uh, in a in a Esper build. So, yeah, and my overall issue with this deck, I guess, is it just. It has Yorion, but Yorion is kind of a side piece. Because that's how the Demir deck worked. It didn't really take advantage of Yorion. Mm -hmm. And then this deck is now trying to change that and actually start taking advantage of Yorion again. But the Esper deck already did that really well. So yeah. I don't know why you're not just doing the using the Esper version. Exactly. And um, it wasn't like the Yorion bit. They were almost doing it just to like give the middle finger to rogues. To be like, well, you're not going to mill us, <laughs> yeah. So you have to do damage. Although I've milled out so many Yorian <laughs> yeah. decks with rogues, it's actually not as far fetched it's as not. you'd think. 
Um, yeah. But it is, you know, you feel good after you do it. Um, but yeah. it definitely it um, goes in consideration when you're playing and then you look over their deck and they're like, oh, they still have 60-something cards left? Okay, uh, maybe I should stop trying to mill them. I should focus on <laughs> other things. But my most important critique of this deck is that I don't know why people think it's cool to just play four Maze Mind Tomes in your main deck. <laughs> the card is so bad. <laughs> it's really good in a control mirror match and bad everywhere else. Move that card to your sideboard. What are you doing? <laughs> it does seem not great. I don't know. Like You're playing Jam Day Tome 4, man. <laughs> it's like, I just want to scry all the time and sometimes draw a card. And then gain for life. Yeah. I mean, the gain for life actually frustrates me a lot most of the time, but um, I also don't think it's great. Um, most of the time when I'm looking at a deck no. list, I'm like, can I get rid of this card? So I meant to say this when, when it was Is It, but my feeling is like I know I think a deck is bad when I'm hoping that when I see my opponent's deck list in the next round, it's that. And that's how <laughs> I was feeling about Is It. When I, whether I, whether, you know, whenever I'm playing, I'm just like, come on, Is It Tempo. Like, <laughs> And it's just something else. Like, damn it! That's what I know that I don't think is it Tempo's a good deck. Yeah. This, I have the same thing here. When my opponent, when there's a spell my opponent plays and I never bother to counter it, despite having three counter spells in my hand as a rogues player, I know that I'm, I don't respect that card. And Maze Mind Tome is that card. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. They're like, I'm going to test them with Maze Mind Tome. I'm like, auto resolves. No problem with that. Go for it. You're going to die before that card is relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what was the real spell that I'm going to yeah. counter? It's, oh, please let's stop spend wasting, the rest of your... Stop wasting my yeah, time. Yeah, spend the rest here. of your turns just, like, drawing <laughs> cards off of that and doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, do it, because I still have this, like, 4-2 that I flashed in for one mana. Are you going to do anything about that, or...? I love when you put, like, uh, into the story on the stack, and then they just sit there for a second, and then they draw a card with Maze Mind Tome, and you're lucky yeah. you don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, um, I, yeah, I, I don't... I don't feel great. You, about you've this convinced deck. me on the Esper thing. That's that's the nail in the coffin for me. Yeah. I think this deck is out of here. It's out of here. And it will be it'll be replaced by Esper Doom. I, I think Esper's definitely gonna jump in on this. I, I as the de facto control deck. Like I don't like Esper Dune foretold, because uh, I play I haven't played it, but playing against it, I hate it. But um I just it just seems so much better than this. So uh, yeah, this deck is definitely out oh, of here. You know you could do an Esper Doom foretold. Hmm. You can throw a Turgrid in there so that every time your opponent sacks something, you get it. Ooh, that would be interesting. Too bad. <laughs> and then you sack that for your thing. <laughs> so you're saying I should be playing Jund Adventures. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I mean, that sounds great. I don't know. Let's throw it together. I think, you know... See, I'm of the opinion that you should just put Valky in everything at this point. Because I, I, so, I was so impressed by that card. So, yeah. So, Take yeah. rule. Throw Throw Valky in. That'll be my... I'm, I'm going to try that. Well, actually, I don't have enough wild cards right now. Um, when I have <laughs> enough wild cards, <laughs> I will try that. Uh, but, Didn't you just open a bunch of Valkys in your prize packs like I did? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. I have one. I, I used all my Mythic wild cards on Goldspan Dragons because I didn't open any. Um, oh, I opened three of those naturally, too. Yeah. So. You, well, I was like, I guess I'm playing Rakdos because I opened a bunch of Valkys, Goldspan Dragons, and no Pathways except the red-black one. I opened like three or four well, of those. Good job. Like, oh. Good for you. That's. Do you want Arena is telling Do you want an applause? I actually would. Good I job. was waiting. I, it was weird you didn't do it sooner. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to a deck that I'm probably going to build. Uh, yeah. Mono White Aggro. You're definitely going to build this. Yeah, Mono yeah. White Aggro. You're going to build it wrong. You're going to build it wrong, but you're going to build it. I, yeah, I, I will definitely build it wrong. 
Um, (laughs) Because you're going to play red. I'm going to play red. So it's mono white slash Boros aggro. Um, Yeah. So this deck uh, did actually, you know, it did all right. Going into this, this is what I lost to in the standard challenge that I played in. That's funny. We yeah, I, I just got. Oh right, but you were playing uh, rogues. You weren't playing. Um, I was playing. I was playing snogs. Snogs, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Snow rogues, um, which is actually which I guess, I guess I said I was going to talk about when we talked about rogues, but I never did. I was playing the one drop that levels up. Yeah. Instead of the, uh, the ascendant spirit. That I hate. Here we go. Yeah, that's a card. It was. It was really good. Yeah. It just turns out Faceless Haven's not that good in Rogues. Because mm. you never really want to tap out on your own turn. No. That uh, makes sense. But that, the Ascendant Spirit is better than the Merfolk Windropper. Uh, which, as you sure. know, it's been my like my goal the past to season get rid to of replace it. that card with literally anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could play. Um, there is a new Human Rogue that is just like the old Human Rogue. Uh, the The blue one. It's like a one-two that has flash, and when it comes in, it gives a creature minus two, minus zero. Oh yeah, it's just like it. It's just worse. But worse, it's like strictly, <laughs> yeah. almost strictly worse. Why wouldn't I play the other one? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you don't want it to be a human for. Oh one. right, you you can't be a human right for um, well one with what is it? Of one mind. Of one mind. I was gonna say one with nothing. That's a different card. <laughs> Different card. Not quite as good. Not. Uh, not. Anyway, so let's go back to this aggro deck. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, cat's out of the bag. Jeff thinks that I'm going to build it um, Boros because I want to play Showdown of the Scalds, which is true. I do want to play that. Um, and I probably will do that and just splash. Just Big mistake. <laughs> and um, Something in my throat. I disagree. But so this is the deck, basically. <laughs> so the deck is playing... Um, Let's see. I don't know any of the names of these cards. This is terrible. I should know this. Um, but you're playing... Uh, Savannah Lions. They're all just... Savannah, Savannah Lions, Lions, basically. They're like one... Two one for one. Yeah, two one for one. <laughs> but you're, So you're playing the two one for one that you can boast it with one and a white to make another one one, right? Then you have the um, the guy from M21 who's the uh, uh, three one that you can um, discard a card and it gains indestructible until on turn and it taps. Um, you're playing... Like probably some selfless saviors. Yeah, selfless saviors uh, to you know make it harder to kill things, and then sky uh, maul of the skyclaves uh, to give things flying in first strike, and you know buff it up and all that kind of Does stuff. Does this deck even play skyclave apparition? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I think I was surprised that my opponents just never played one. Then it's like I guess three mana is a lot. Uh, the deck I played against two was running glorious anthem. Yes, that'll do it. And uh, the. Uh, Basri Cat as well. Yeah, Basri to get counters on things and do stuff. So that was like their their top end because the, I played against strict straight mono white, so no showdown of the skulls mm-hmm. as the top end. Uh, so these three drops were where they ended. Yeah. So I don't know if the the Boros deck cuts one of those for the the showdown. I'm not not totally so sure. So I didn't see Basri. So I was playing against the Boros version. I didn't see Basri Cat um, or Skyclaver any other three drops, but they were playing Robber of the Rich and they were playing um, the, the Showdown, of course. Um, so that version I really don't like. I don't like... Um, I just don't like decks with bad mana. And if you're trying to play all these white one drops into the red two drop... Like, yeah, mana's okay now because we have the Pathways, but you still don't have any actual dual lands. All the actual dual lands tap to play tap. Yes. So I don't I don't like the robber of the rich as much, but I really like, oh man. Why can I not remember that? 
What is that card's name? The two one, or sorry, the three one from uh, M21. Anyway, whatever that card is called, um, I actually like yeah, it. Yeah, discard a card to give it indestructible yes. and tap it. But I do like it with Showdown of the Scalds because now uh, you can keep all the cards in your hand just for fodder to keep them alive. And then all the cards that you draw after the Scalds, you play those cards and give it counters. And then every time they try to kill or anything, you just discard the card from your hand instead. And then you're not losing cards that way. Because most of the time with that situation is you have one card left, you have to discard it, you can't play cards anymore. But with the showdown, mm -hmm. you have cards to play, uh, they just aren't in your hand. I don't know. I don't think it's amazing, but I definitely like it. And I guess I, I don't like that there's so much stuff that gets around Indestructible right now. That is very true. Like, as the Rakdos sack player, I just kind of LOL, and I steal it with Claim the Firstborn, bash you for a bunch, and then sacrifice it to draw two cards. Uh, yeah, that is true. But, that does make sense. Uh, mm. And that's why I don't like the dog that much either. And then there's so many Brazen Borrowers as well. Um which isn't like the best. Oh, it's Seasoned Hallowed Blade. Seasoned Hallowed Blade. That's what it is. So I actually just went to look at the top mono white performer from the thing to get it. Yep. And they didn't play any. So then I had to go to the <laughs> next one. I was like, what? Really? Okay. All right. So I'll probably so. build a terrible version is what you say. Um, yeah. But I will m note that these are both mono white. No red splash. I think on the weekend, the mono white with no splash did do better. Because, so here's the reason I don't like the Splash, even for Showdown of the Scalds, which is obviously powerful. You just want Faceless Haven and like 18 or 16 Snow-Covered Plains, yeah. I think. Because you just want everything to come out smooth, no tap lands, nothing like that. And you don't want to play Pathways because they make your Faceless Haven worse. And I think Faceless Haven, like Showdown of the Scalds in an aggro deck, you got to tap out for a whole turn. And then you're telegraphing what you're going to play on the next turn. So I get it. It's like, they wrath my board, I play this, draw four cards. But if they wrath my board, I just attack them with Faceless Haven and then play a two-drop. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I think that's a similar, a better way to kind of accomplish the don't wrath me thing. I think Showdown of the Scalds is the most overrated card from the new set. I'm just going to say that. Wow, look at you. I think it's a, very, it's a very powerful card. But like... In an aggro deck, taking a whole turn off and then telling your opponents what you're going to play is a big deal. Yeah. Like, if I'm playing a Wrath, I'll just hold it, wait for you to play all that junk, because you have to play it next turn, and then Wrath you. Um, I mean, hopefully by that time you're dead, so you can't decide. But I guess you just Well, you're not, because they, they took a whole turn to play Showdown of the Skulls. So it's like... People are comparing it to Experimental Frenzy. Boy, is it not Experimental Frenzy. No. It's, like, it's not. Wow, it's way worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Experimental Frenzy. Okay, I do see what you're saying. Um, and I understand. And now that I'm looking at... Uh, this is Anna uh, Wegner. Is this the... I'm pretty sure this is the first uh, Mono White deck list I ran into that was from the top. Um, yep, yep. That's the one I looked at that did not play... It's playing Season Seasoned Hollow Blade in the sideboard, first of all. So, ah, okay. I missed that. There are four in the sideboard. They're all. She's also playing Funeral Longboat in the sideboard. One copy of which, I don't know why that's there, but I'm so happy it's there. That's I mean, hilarious, <laughs> and I don't know. You know, I don't know what that's about, but I like. I, you know, it's it's probably wrong, Anna. But I uh, think hey, you know, you, you went if, seven and two. If so. you were like, you know what, 
I don't know what else to put in my sideboard. Let's just throw something in, something like this. You know, maybe let's just put ox plow combo in my sideboard just for fun. <laughs> you know, just so when people look at my deck list, they see it and they're like, it's just, do they use that? Good point. This is an open deck list tournament. It's just to make them wonder. So, you know, <laughs> that seems pretty fun. Uh, I, I love the 16 planes for Castle Art and Vale. Mm-hmm. I don't know why these aren't snow covered with Baseless Haven though. Yeah. I, that, that's my critique of the deck. I, I agree with that. Um, this looks like it was a deck that was built um, almost before the set came out, and they decided to play uh, Code Spell Cleric and Battlefield Raptor, and that's about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because none of her, like, she has a couple double whites, but they're the expensive ones. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's the Legion. I, I would play I would play 16 planes for Faceless Haven, or 16 snow-covered planes for Faceless Instead Haven. Instead of the Arden yeah, but uh, I don't know. I've been impressed with this deck overall. I've lost to it. Uh, it seems like the mono white aggro decks of, of you know, days of yore. Yeah. When, when aggro was good. Uh, like it doesn't have quite the same uh, explosiveness because of there's not. What's that card that was the elephant that you could convoke and put counters on? Everything? Oh God, the Loxodon thing. Yeah. 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 Um, it doesn't have that, but uh, it still feels like. You can really lose to this thing in a hurry. Yeah, I I think I'm gonna go full. I'm pulling for, I'm pulling deep here, but I think I'm gonna go full Craig Wesco and just play this mono white aggro deck. I think it's gonna be pretty good. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I, I'm giving mono white top tier and Boros out of here. All right, you convince me. You convince just, me. Yeah. Play play uh, <laughs> mono white. Um, I do like white. Uh, anyway, let's. Uh, wow, we spent a lot more time on that than I thought we were going to. Um, yeah, we're going to the ultimatum decks. So let's just kind of lump these together because they're uh, <clears throat> a little similar. T- Teamer and Sultai, yeah. different ultimatums. So, so Sultai plays the Sultai one, and Teamer plays the Teamer, the Teamer one. one. Uh, Jeff has uh, said this <laughs> Sultai deck is called Sultimatum, which I do like. Of course, yeah. Sultimatum. <laughs> uh, it's pretty good. I heard it somewhere, but I can't remember where, so I can't take credit. All right, well, it's somewhere out there, but we're going to continue showing. Uh, you should say Sultimatum and Cadillac. Remember, don't forget Cadillac from last yeah, episode. That's an imp- that's an important yes. one. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I haven't. So the only time I ran into this deck, it was actually like a Tybalt's Trickery package that was playing like Vorinclex and um, a couple of different things. So, so maybe we can we can talk about Teamer first. Yeah, let's do Teamer, um, I guess. Uh, so because te- I just think this that deck's bad. So well, be- so basically, the teamer deck looks almost exactly like the the one before. Um, it's playing a lot of the same cards, uh, you know, cultivating in your um, fertile footsteps into your uh, beanstalk giants and stuff. With the ultimatum, obviously, an Ugin, but instead of the Terror of the Peaks, where you ultimatum and immediately win, you're playing Goldspan Dragon, which doesn't immediately win. It just seems just worse. Like, I almost want to play the old version because it does seem like if you ultimatum, you want it. So you've been playing it a bit. I have played it. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing it, uh, and I was actually doing all right. But it it was, you know, a lot of the decks I was playing were similar decks. It was like either I was playing mirror matches, which almost almost like the exact same deck list, or um, something similar, uh, big mana decks. And it was like... Man, I would cast every ultimatum I had, uh, and it would just, you know, I wasn't winning. And squeak through. You know? It was, like, so weird. I was like, oh, this is my third Ugin I'm playing. 
because we're playing Ugin to Ugin and then shocking each other's Ugins and trying. It, it was just like a weird game. And, you know, you, when you ultimate him with Terror of the Peaks in your deck, you just hit Beanstalk Giant and the Terror of the Peaks, and they're usually dead by that point. So. Yeah. So I, I didn't think this deck was good last season. Yeah. I thought it was something that people played as an answer to uh, the Mono Green food deck because mm-hmm. it really beat the shit out of that. But, I don't know, people would say, oh, it has this awesome late game, which they mean the ultimatum and Ugin. Neither of what they're seven and eight drops, and neither guarantee a win. They don't. Like, you can play those cards and still lose. Because uh, the thing which is... Which is, if your plan is to ramp up to a seven and eight drop, they better just win. Exactly. Right? So, the thing... The... And then people would also say, but it has such a relevant, like, mid-game, it could just win that way, too. And I always was like, you know what? It seems like that because it's playing good cards. But let's be honest, guys. Like, a couple of Bone Crushers and some Terror of the Peaks is never going to win in the metagame we have. The decks are too powerful. That's just not how this deck ever wins. Yeah. So you're lying to yourself if you're saying that you're just winning an, a lot of these mid-range battle fests without drawing your 7 and 8 drops. You're, you're all in on 7 and 8 drops, and your 7 and 8 drops just aren't that good. It is hard, especially because when you, like, let's say they're at, like, 20, right? You're trying to bolt them to death. Even if you ult Ugin mm-hmm. and you, like, hit another Ugin, which is basically the big thing, or a Goldspan Dragon, it seems fine, but all the time, you know, it. I really think that if you don't ultimate him and win on that turn or the next turn, like, you're just doing it wrong. And uh, the new version that's kind of come out just doesn't seem worth it. Um it's fun to play. But the old version would whiff on ultimatum too. Yeah, but at least you have this, this version. Just has like even more chance to do that. But the, yeah, the new version doesn't have like at least when you have the Terror of the Peaks and you hit a Beanstalk, you're gonna dome them for like eleven or something, just from playing the ultimatum. Yeah, play, even if the I've cards played against this deck where it's like they hit Terror of the Peaks and Ugin, and I'm just like, ah, I still win. Yeah, I mean, that will happen. You're hitting your two best cards. But at least at least in that deck, you have a roll of the dice, so you're like, you could immediately win by, by resolving an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. In the new version, you can't. So, I don't know. It, it, it seems, it, it's fun to play. It's, I don't, I wouldn't take it to a tournament. I don't think it's that good. Um, I think this, so that, that, that's how we feel. That's out of here. It, I don't know. So, so Teamer's out of here, right? Teamer's out of here. It's, Especially with the advent of Sultimatum, because they play the Sultai Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know what that does, I'll explain it to you, because I had this happen to me <laughs> over the weekend. It goes and gets three monocolored cards with different names out of your deck. Your opponent chooses one, that goes back into your deck, and the other two get cast for free. So what the Sultai deck is doing is it goes to get Vorinclex, Allrun's Epiphany, which takes the extra turn, and uh, either Tybalt or um, like Skiora Best the Sea God. So it is important to note that they are specifically getting Valky, which is a monocolored card. Tybalt which is monocolored, is a right. Double... They're, they're never casting Valky. <laughs> but the thing is that Ultimatum says get monocolored cards, and this is a card that skirts that, which is maybe right. a reason why there should be possibly a rule change but continue yeah. that that is kind of bullshit but i think the main plan is to get cure best to see god actually interesting okay um 
So no matter what you give them, they're hitting the first two chapters of Kiora Best to Sea God right now because they either get to take an extra turn or they get Boring Clex, which puts two counters on it. So they get an 8-8 Hexproof, and they tap your whole team and it, like all of your non-line permanents, and they don't untap. Uh, in my experience, it's best to make them throw away the Allrun's Epiphany. But you still lose. I mean, like, it's still... I don't know. I, it's very rare that you would beat them resolving this card. Because they get either a 6-6 Trample Haste and a Saga that's going to make an 8-8 and tap all your stuff and steal your best thing next turn. You know, like, that's kind of the best case scenario <laughs> for you. So I like this better than the Teamer Ultimatum because it's basically guaranteed what you're getting. Yeah. You're getting this Saga you built your deck. Yeah, two. you built your deck to specifically get these pieces. Uh, and the choice is, you don't really have a choice. It's, you know, the worst. Now, here's the fun part. I beat this deck as rogues because I milled them and checked their graveyard and knew that they probably <laughs> didn't have a foreign clex. Or a, I just let it resolve because they didn't have anything. So they went and got, like, Cultivate. Or, like, they got random shit. They, I was just like, yeah, yeah that's Go fun. ahead, cast a Cultivate. <laughs> Take two more cards out of your deck. I, that's fine. You have, like... Four like like fourteen cards left in your deck. You get whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> have fun. I'll get rid of the good one, and then you play the other bullshit ones that mill you even more. So, <laughs> yeah, I actually like could have countered it and won the game, but I wanted to see what they would go get. <laughs> or you wanted to teach a very valuable lesson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, I was more just curious. But I, I and I've, I was like, this could be a mistake. Maybe they win, but I don't think so. With any of the ultimatum decks, the mill plan is really rough because at the end, like you, you can not play your ultimatums because you don't have enough cards in your deck to, to just like, <laughs> get rid of them. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So be beating this with rogues felt pretty trivial. On the other hand, when I played against this with Rakdos, it felt like there was no way I could win. I literally lost a game where my opponent just sat there and played lands until they had seven and then played Emergent Ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that was an embarrassing loss because I'm sitting there like I'm playing my uh, Woe Strider and I have like Claim the Firstborns in my hand and I'm like drawing more cards with Village Rights. But I'm just not doing enough damage to kill them before they get to seven, and then they just play slam emergent ultimate. You're like, <laughs> it's like, huh? There you go. Should have played Good white game, I guess. white weenie. <laughs> yeah. uh, you did nothing. You did nothing. So with uh, soul tomatum, what are, what are we gonna say about this? I don't think this deck can last when it has a weak matchup against Gruel and Rogues. Mm -hmm. I think. This was kind of a flavor. It's going to be popular for a few weeks while Rakdos is the best deck because it really, really eats that alive. Like, what what's the win rate matrix say? Rakdos was 32% against this thing. Like, the, the games really do feel unwinnable from the Rakdos side yeah. because you know they're just going to slowly build towards that ultimatum. The only game I won, I was just lucky to, like, I held my duress all game and then ripped it right before... And I, and I took the ultimatum out of their hand. Mm. Um, and then they didn't draw another one. So that's that's how I won that game. And they didn't draw like an all-runs epiphany to take an extra turn or anything like that. That That's how you have to do it, I think. You mm -hmm. just have to like maybe try to race them with discard, basically. Try to get rid of... Make them discard cards so they don't have lands and ramp mm -hmm. spells. 
but bind bind the old gods just hurts with that so much because they kill your thing and ramp yeah that's true this map that that matchup feels like a joke but i think once the other decks become a bit more popular like i don't know i, I don't know enough about the deck but it feels like it's just too narrow-minded and one-dimensional to totally. really be a mainstay so i'm giving this one out of here out of here i agree so I think let's run it back. Um, starting at the top, Rakdos. Top tier. Is it? Out of here. Rogues. Top tier. Gruel. Top tier. Naya. Out of here. Saltai Control. Out of here. Mono White. Top tier. Boros. Out of here. Sultimatum. Out of here. Teamer Ramp. Out of here. Uh, Sultimatum's maybe the one I'm least confident on. Originally, I was going to say Sultai Control, but you've really convinced me that Esper Control is just the better control deck. I just, I think it is. Um, but yeah, so we'll see, you know, who knows? Who can even be sure? But Like, I'm wondering if my disdain for ramp decks just gets in the way of my, <laughs> my, my rating for Sultimatum. Because I don't think either, like, you played Teamer, I guess, but I don't think either of us are no, I, in love with I ramp, thought it was fun, decks. but the ramp decks, you know, they, they never, you know... <laughs> seem that exciting i would rather be um killing them and it's 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 more it feels better to kill them before they get to do their stuff uh than to actually yeah. do the stuff which ultimately isn't that great <laughs> uh and i'd also rather lose to ugin and be like well it's an ugin than like yeah. oh there's all these soldiers killing me you know they don't make ramp decks like they used to man like where's my uro where's my nissa it's bullshit <laughs> like they used to that's classic that's so good uh so jeff if you were going to play in a tournament this weekend what would you play i think i'd play rogues mm. i think sultimatum's gonna be on the rise to beat the rakdos decks and i think i there's still gonna be a lot of rakdos but i think i can work on that matchup to get it close to 50 50 and then hopefully my knowledge of the matchup will you know help me prevail yeah nice um but if i was just wanted to go level one because it's it's never wrong to just go level one right and just play sultimatum <laughs> yeah totally but i do think I but yeah i'm going rogues i think i agree with you i would probably play rogues because seeing these numbers make it seem like rogues is definitely viable and i already know how to play that deck and I have the pieces for it. Mm -hmm. I can just add. That's the other some thing other stuff. too. It's more important to play a deck that you feel confident with yeah. than, like, it, that's been shown time and again that like, even if a deck is quote unquote like a poor metagame decision, the best players that are known for piloting that deck still do well because yeah. it's more important to understand how to play your deck and the different matchups than it is to just like net deck the best deck the day before the event exactly and, and play yeah you know? i definitely agree um yeah so that is our and then you just have paulo who plays whatever he wants in whatever metagame and always wins <laughs> i mean like what are you gonna do i'm not paulo so you know yeah. um but that is our first top tier or out of here segment um moving on to our last call i hear the bell i hear the bell it's dinging ding ding ding, ding, -a -ding. um i am ready for my last beer of the night Hey. hey we picked there the same go. one wow look at that yeah 
<laughs> we both picked cup and saucer, the English ale that Bre uh, Brett, <laughs> Jeff brought. <laughs> Who's Brett? Are you cheating on me with said, another <laughs> podcast co-host? Brett Joff is what I was going to say. Um, yeah. I just thought that this was like, you know, easier to drink. The other one seemed like it was a lot. And this one just yeah, so tickled my fancy. <laughs> I, I think this beer is really strong. We'll get to that, you know, a specific rating in a minute. Yeah. Um, but I'm a huge fan of Imperial Stouts, as yeah. you know. And the other one's good, too. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But uh, it just didn't meet. I think I might just have a really high bar for that style. I agree. So, anyways, this one felt like a, a stronger example of its style than the other one. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good uh, way to say it. Um, so this cup and saucer, this English ale feels exactly what I'm looking for. Um, mm -hmm. and it really goes back like, man, this is, I could drink this on a hike is what, and the, you know, the can exudes go. that it really, it's, and when I, when I read English ale as like a consumer, to me, that means it's not super hoppy. It's more about the body, exactly. the malt, and that's and that's exactly what this delivers. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really taste any particular hops here. You know, no. there's no like Citra punching me in the mouth mm -hmm. or, you know, Cascade or something. It's just yeah, they used some hops to get the bitterness, but uh, that's not what it's really about. It doesn't taste or smell strongly of hops. It's more about that malt body. Exactly. Uh, and that's what I, I really like that style. I know it's not that popular here, uh, but when I read English ale, that's what I'm expecting. And that's exactly what I got. And I'm usually not a huge fan of English ales. Um, so I wasn't expecting to like this so much, uh, but it really, it really gives me something that I'm like, this is nice. I, I could drink mm -hmm. a lot of these and, and, uh, feel great about it. So, um, I'm going to go, uh, also, I feel like we talk about our, our rating scale a lot and don't actually like um, talk, like really explain what it is. Um, not that I'm going to go through the whole thing, but when we say bronze to mythic, we're talking about the tiers, remember, from Arena. Oh, so yeah. it's There's bronze, like silver, gold, platinum, diamond, mythic is what we're talking about. Um, and Correct. While I just like spew out different <laughs> names. Of I was things. worried you'd forget that last one. Mythic, because I've never been there. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just I just pretend it's not there because I've never been there, so it doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Wait, um, isn't Diamond Four the highest? I'm pretty sure <laughs> Diamond Four. Ouch! <laughs> not even Diamond One. Oh, fuck you! That's the worst. Um. Anyway, with that said, I picked your beer. Um, yeah. And I think this is really good. I I think, you know, this could be a diamond. I think I was gonna say this is this is diamond for me. I think, I think. other I was like on the fence between uh, yeah. platinum and diamond. Uh, other other English ales I've had I have not been a big fan of, um, and this is definitely a great one. So yeah, uh, worth uh, checking out. Uh, but let's go on to the Imperial Stout that uh, Sawdust um, Sawdust City. Yeah, like I said, I think when it says coffee vanilla Imperial Stout, I probably just have expectations that are really high yeah um when i have an imperial stout what i want on that first sip is to really just get like 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 it just surprises your palate mm -hmm. you know uh and i didn't totally get that from this like yeah it, it was you could taste that it was strong 
and you could taste the flavors they're describing, but it wasn't just like, whoa, you know, like that's, uh, that's a big shock to my system kind of thing. Gotcha. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, w- when you said you could taste the, the alcohol, I 100%. Like you can, yeah. you can taste yeah. a lot of alcohol and it's just very upfront and it really takes over a lot of stuff and it feels like it was a little overdone. If it had a little yeah. bit less alcohol taste as far, you know, I, I think the punch that I want is the flavor, not just alcohol in my face. Um, so yeah, that yeah. Was... that's what I mean when it like overwhelms your palate. Yes. I don't just mean because it's 9% alcohol because exactly. like anyone can do that, right? It's Yeah, I like sneaky stuff. I like 10% that uh, taste like a pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't mind if the your Russian Imperial Stouts taste boozy because, yeah. you know, they are 10%. Duh. But the, it's the other flavors that should be kind of like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's awesome. That aren't getting overshadowed by this alcohol right. taste. Uh, so yeah. that was my, my feeling with it. You know, uh, That being said, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I, I liked it too. Um, I don't want to give it a terrible rating because I have such a intense... I mean, I really love a great Imperial Stout. Um, but I wouldn't want to give this to someone be like, hey, this is what this is. Um, you like right. Imperial Stouts? Yeah. Pick up this. I would never say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so- I have a few on my list that I would recommend somebody who uh, introduced somebody to the style with before this. Yeah, you know? I, I, I'm going to say gold with this one just because I don't, um, I don't think I'll really uh, see it a lot in my future. Okay, I was thinking platinum, but that's uh, fine. You, I mean, I, I, I'm coming on the fence a little bit. Like but I still I, enjoyed it. I also enjoyed it, but I also enjoy gold beers as well. So, yeah, yeah I'm not saying gold's um, bad. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me to put uh, a well-made beer of this style into gold, just because it is one of my favorite yeah. styles. And, and, I, and this is good. There's nothing wrong with it. But I just think I'm never, not, I'm never going to pick this up again. Um, I just have like three or four mythic levels that I'm comparing it to. For sure, I, I usually think like. A platinum might be a beer that I'll, I'll come back to often, uh, and okay. this is just not one of them. Um, it's a, it, I'll, I'll drink it if it's maybe maybe in like three years I'll come back to it. But uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna rush out and probably get more of these cup and saucers because I really like them. I'm not gonna go back and, and get the uh, that that's okay. That's out. You're not Russian for imperial stouts. <laughs> oh God. That's a good one. Then. No, I would I would buy this again if uh, you know, if I was craving a, a couple imperial stouts and they didn't have one of my favorites around. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably get the Wellington one that we like. So, that's uh... yeah. Like my real favorites are all from uh, Montreal. Yeah, it's hard to get them. But there. like at, the, at this price point, which is like three dollars, three four dollars, uh, the other ones mm-hmm. are like a bit more expensive. That the one we had from Wellington was a lot better in my opinion. So I would probably just go back to that guy. Um, that's fair. I'm going to stick with platinum, but... That's fine. I'm not trying to change you. I just want you to know that I'm serious about what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it looks like it's time to close down. So, yeah. You can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, you might also find us on MTG Arena. We are Arena Regulars Podcast. Also, if you want to find me personally, um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Zulberg, Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. But Jeff, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me as MTG on Twitter or on Twitch. I stream 
Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so some late night streaming uh, at twitch.tv slash bluesbrews, all one word. Yep. Um, and if you would please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can leave a review or just follow us, that really helps us and makes a huge difference. We'd really appreciate that. I'm going to thank you in advance for doing that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so this has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you not to play Team or Ultimatum because it's the worst ultimatum. Good night. All right, that's fine.